0: You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Six years ago, Jules Sebastian uploaded her first episode of Tea with Jules to YouTube. The series was designed to invite people into the incredible conversations Jules had experienced during her work as a stylist. Now Jules has released a book distilling all the insights from her many interviews. She's also revealed some of her own insights from life with musician Guy Sebastian. The book is called Tea and Honesty. Hi Jules, how are you? Hello,
1: thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. Let's start at the very beginning. When did tea first become a part of your life?
1: It's always been in my life. My mum is Scottish and Uh my dad is Irish and I feel like it's a... I don't know if it's a Scottish thing. I don't know. My mum is just big on tea, always has been. And is it English breakfast tea? So my mum, she would give me black tea as a child, just black tea, (laughs) no milk, no sugar. And so that's all I knew tea to be. And I would just drink it and I was like, oh, this is tea, until one glorious day (laughs) when I went for a sleepover at my neighbour's house and in the morning her dad gave me this Amazing hot drink, and I said, "What is this?" It had milk and two sugars in it, and I was like, <laughs> "He goes, it's tea." And I was like, "No, this is not tea. This is not what my mom." <laughs> and then I went,
0: "Did your mum give you cold black tea?"
1: No, it was hot. It was at least hot. <laughs> but I went back home and I was like, mum, what are you doing to me? You've re- like, this is what tea should taste like." So then I had to. I went full into you know two sugar tea and. Milk and all the rest of it, and then I've had to wean myself off of that, so I've, I've come full circle Are on you the black, tea. Black tea now, I, I don't mind it, I mm. like it with a dash of milk, not a
0: sugar anymore. Yes, and I do love an herbal, an herbal love tea. An herbal. I love that. Uh, so your mum gave you tea to begin with. Mm-hmm. What is the role of tea in your life now?
1: I just think there is a it's like a ceremony. A little bit. When even if it's a quick cup of tea, even this morning, my nine now nine year old Hudson, he's like, mum, can I have a cup of tea?" And it just warms my heart because there's something about sitting. I, I've brought in a warm drink with me today. Not a tea; it's actually a coffee. I do <laughs> I, cheat I, on tea with coffee. Every I, I had now to, and to. I was
0: thinking she's got to drink coffee. She lives in Sydney, God's
1: sake. <laughs> I know, and it's a midday coffee, so I'm not sure where that's gonna um, End get up. me. Yeah. <laughs> um So. Uh, There's something about, you know, like sitting down, warm drink in hand, whatever your warm drink of choice is. And I feel like it really just opens up the chat. It opens up the conversation. I know like with my mom, especially growing up, it's like everything is fixed and everything's better with a cup of tea. You come home from school, you've had a hard day, do you want a cup of tea? It, oh, it just associates sweet. with someone caring for you, warmth, someone being there for you. There's an open heart, there's open ears. And that kind of translated into my friendship circle with my girlfriends. If anyone was in, you know, distress or broken up with the, their boyfriend or just needed to talk, the code word was put the kettle on.
0: Oh, that's so lovely! You text that, or you call up. Your beautiful little nannas.
1: I know it was such a bunch of nannas. Put the kettle on, and that was the emergency. Like, right, someone's someone needs to talk about something, and we
0: put the kettle. I on, bet your mum was tea. when she heard you say that as a teenager was just like patting herself on the back. It's <laughs> yes, a parenting. Look at me! Man. Look at me with my child sharing tea <laughs> and talking about their troubles. I
1: know she did a good
0: thing. <laughs> she did a very good thing. So it sounds like you had a very peaceful, safe, comfortable life. Uh, this is going to sound terrible, but before Guy won Idol <laughs> because that was pretty much uh, like a pivotal moment for mm-hmm. both of you, but particularly because Guy was the one that went on to Idol and was hoping to win it and then it all it changed everything it sounds like I mean obviously uh, opportunities come with that kind of attention. But how did it change your life in ways that weren't so comfortable?
1: Well, I do write about this in the book. And, and while I was writing it, I thought, I, I've never really expressed this before from my point of view of how it kind of all went down for me and my feelings. Not that it was about me at the time, most definitely not. But it was happening around me and inadvertently to me. Of course. Um, but I was a very shy person growing up, very kind of introvert and didn't really like attention of any form. Asked my mum, she tried everything to get me to go to ballet class and this, that, and the other, and I would just hold on to her leg. I didn't like looking at people, didn't like people looking at me, it's just like chronically a shy girl. And so, but as I grew up and got older and I started to make friends, I found that very difficult in the beginning at school, trying to meet people and make friends because I was just so... I was so inward and I, I, I don't know what it was about people that I just was like, I'm scared of you. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> people
0: are scary. Even five-year-olds. It's, year a, olds. Fair, it's, a, fair, it's <laughs> a fair assumption to make.
1: People are scary. You're right. Um, and so th- my natural state was, even though I was growing in my confidence and f- figuring out who I was and I'd started, you know, s- singing in the choir at church and that meant a little bit more upfront, you got to get in front of people, but my natural state was to I'd much rather listen than talk I'd much rather watch the person on the stage than be the person on the stage all of those things um, but I wasn't as scared of people anymore I didn't find them as terrifying and I could actually talk to people so when all of this was going down very publicly and what felt like quite instantly and overnight even though a guy had worked on his craft and you know there's a reason he won it because he practiced and, and done all the hard yards to get to that point it was like it happened overnight. That one minute he was just guy, our friend and my boyfriend, and then the next minute he was a household name. Like l- literally, wherever he would go, people would know who he was, and he had the giant afro. And Australian Idol was, you know, primetime TV, and it was it was everywhere, and it was it was almost like a the, the Shannon and Guy was like a phenomenon yes. in the moment. It just sort of took over the nation for a second there. And so me in amongst that mix, it was so many feelings and so many emotions because I was like, what is happening? Uh, this is just the per- the person I like. This is happening to him. Everyone knows him. Um, now people are starting to pay me attention and want to know, oh, who's this girl and what she got to do with it and, and asking me questions and taking my photo and, you know, that sort of thing. And everyone I knew and didn't know wanted to talk to me about Guy. And so I was like, all this attention, all of a sudden, it was a process for me to sort of get through and to to navigate and to learn the new normal. That's what I call it. There was like normal life before Idol. Yes. Then there was Idol, which was insane. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what... This is what is happening. And then post-idol, which was the new normal. So I just had to learn how to be in the new normal. And that's kind of what life is right now.
0: Yeah. Um, a little bit different, though, I would imagine, because looking, reading at your, your book, you talk a lot about finding your sense of self and identity. And as you just said there, everyone wanted to ask you about Guy. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this was a dream for him that had come true. You were both very young how do you find your sense of self amongst that kind of attention?
1: Yeah, um, it's an interesting one because the way I see it is that happened to Guy and for very good reason. I believe he's just born for this life. He's so talented and he's he's extraordinary. He He can somehow be brilliant at music and singing and writing songs and performing and all of that but also have the other side of it where he's very personable he's he's very um authentic genuine funny like all of these things sort of married together have made this sensational person and therefore great career in the public eye and he's always been that always been like that to me even before you know he became famous uh I have always respected and loved that about him, but I think more than anything, I love the person he is. And so the fact that he has remained that all the way through this sort of allows permission for me to do the same thing. He's not trying to be anything he's not, and that he really is leading the way in this whole life. And so I'm just going to follow suit and do the same thing. And so for me, it's less about, you know, people are always like, how do you handle being in the guy's shadow or, you know, whatever?
0: <laughs> and I'm like, I don't. He doesn't I, have the afro anymore. He doesn't okay. Have There's the afro shadow. As big as shadow. <laughs>
1: I don't. I just don't look at it like that. Like, I am. I know who I am as a person, I know the value that I bring as a woman into his life. I know that he, he couldn't have this life without me. I know the value I bring to him and our relationship. And so I'm quietly confident in that. I don't need to blast that from the rooftops and be like, Hey, what about me over here? It's not, I'm, I am quietly getting about doing me really. I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him. Like if someone says you're Sebastian's wife, yeah, I'm proud of that. Of yep. course, like he's a great dude. I'm happy to be a part of that and a part of you know his life and when his name is mentioned. But I I also know that that's not all I am. Yes, it's a part of me, but it's not everything.
0: You started out um, as well. You were high school sweethearts and then married, children, and onwards. That is a huge period of change in anyone's life. Mm-hmm. Did it take you time to kind of navigate all of that? I can only imagine the extra pressure of having the public eye on you. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that period of your life is challenging without that. And I'm just wondering if that kind of in the mix made things a little bit harder.
1: Do you know what? I don't think about it. And I think that's what has gotten us through. I just get about living my life and I Try and do that even if I wasn't a public person. I would hope that this is the person that I would be. I try and be really authentic, kind, caring, think about others, parent my children as best I can, be the best kind of wife I can. And I would do that even if I wasn't in the public eye. So I don't feel the pressure of eyes on me because I'm not trying to do it for anyone else. I'm trying to do it for myself and my family. And so if other people are looking on and they've got something to say about that, sure, I'm going to make mistakes all over the place. I've never claimed to be perfect. Neither is Guy. We're just two people in the world who are just getting about living our lives and being as best versions of
0: ourselves that we can be. How many cups of cold tea have you drunk since having the boys? <laughs> That's a great question thousands. <laughs> do you drink it, though? Do you, or do you go, oh, it's cold, and boil the kettle again? Boil the kettle. Just yeah, put know. it back on. Who yeah. really drinks the cold cup? It, I mean, it happens, but who drinks yeah, it? Yeah, it's not it's not a lovely experience. I've no. got to be honest, I just never bothered making tea. I, yeah, was, you I, just I, I knew past. what was going to happen. I'm like, it's not going to <laughs> happen. Um, you studied to become a stylist and moved into fashion. And it is known to be quite a fickle industry. How did you come across all these incredible people that you've included in your book?
1: Well, it's funny you say that because I actually wrote that in my book. If from the outside, if looking into the fashion industry, you could assume that it is fickle and shallow and I have done the same. And once I kind of inserted myself into it and found myself being a part of it, I just found myself in conversations with, with you know other stylists or hair and makeup people, models, public figures, having incredible conversations. All you have to do is ask questions or you 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 know, you stumble into a conversation or you you find yourself just chatting away and finding out something about someone you never would have discovered. And my very first guest on Tea with Jules was Ray Morris, who is a makeup artist, incredible makeup artist. And internationally renowned and has an incredible career. And when I invited her to come, because it was this is how Tea with Jewel started, it started for me going, Oh my God, I am surrounded by amazing humans that I feel like other people need to know about this. People might think of Ray Morrison, just think, make up her books, you know, that's it. But there are so many layers and levels and, and interesting things that I'm hearing her say and I'm experiencing from her I wonder if other people would be interested in knowing that and this was like pre kind of podcasts um podcasts didn't even exist when I started this I just went straight to YouTube and I was like I don't know if this is a thing do people even care (laughs) I think it's cool (laughs) I'll give
0: it a go Mm.
1: and then six years later still kind of going and so I mean of course interviews and you know shows like that are Oprah Winfrey, let's not even get me started on her.
0: Like those shows exist. There there's time, Jules, there's time. <laughs> there's time. we don't have an Australian Oprah Winfrey <laughs> yet.
1: But I but I don't know, I just it came from that interest, genuine interest and inquisitive kind of nature that I had to know people on a deeper level I was like yeah yeah yeah, you're great at curling hair fantastic <laughs> how do you feel about your children you know like that, that's I just wanted to cut straight to the chase and yeah so Ray she came on and I we just I just started asking her things and she went so deep so fast it sort of set the tone was your tea
0: it was the tea. It was the way you made the tea. I think that's what it was. <laughs> did you, you have sugar? sugar. <laughs> yeah. All about the sugar. But
1: I think she really helped set, set up how Tea with Jules was going to unfold from there because I was like, I don't know, maybe we will talk about green eyeshadow. I don't know. But maybe we won't. And then she just took it there and I went there and then that became the show. And so that's what I love about people and humans. And being able to write this book was a part of that as well that I was like I I think people are amazing. People are interesting. People have great ways of doing life and when they don't have a great way of doing life, there's a lesson in that and I can learn from that and we can all collectively watch each other and and listen to each other and ask each other questions on how to better do things in life. And I am such a team player like that. Ask my team I can't make a decision without asking all five people. <laughs> what shall I say now? Like it's it, I love I love the collective human experience. I love it. I think it's so important that we can watch each other and learn from each other and know that we are actually all in this together. And the the subjects that I've chosen to talk about, you know, guilt and grief and comparison and kindness and identity, all these things, I think at some point as human beings, no matter who we are, we've experienced that feeling or had to face something, guilty feelings or comparing ourselves to somebody' feelings, finding our identity in our life and roles and jobs. And at some point, no two stories are the same, but somehow you can relate yourself into somebody else's story. And I think that's what I want from this book is that I want it to feel like, hey, we're, we're not alone. I, I get it. You get it. We all understand. And you, you'll see yourself in the pages at some point, I hope.
0: So how does a mother of two, I'm going to say rambunctious because they're boys, yes. two young boys, manage to write a book?
1: That is an excellent. <laughs> um, I don't remember. I think I might have <laughs>
0: blocked the trauma. <laughs> no,
1: and it was over COVID, essentially. Oh my lord! Yeah,
0: I am that person.
1: <laughs> yeah, you went. Oh, <laughs>
0: what else can I do in lockdown? Write a book. Yeah. I, oh, I, hold on. Now schools closed. I mean, it, I, I truly think I've blocked most. <laughs> So your youngest is the same age as my youngest, right? So does that mean they started school? He started school last year as well. Yes. Yes. So our sons have both missed out on quite a considerable amount of kindy. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. How's he going? (laughs) I was worried for a moment. I was like, Oh no! Is he going to know how to read? I don't
0: know. (laughs) No. Well.
1: And then yeah, trying to teach, be the teacher, and when they're in two
0: different grades. I actually must admit that I palmed it off to my husband. Did you? A lot. That's smart. I said, look, we're going to have to work in shifts because we both need to work. Mm. I'll take the morning. Mm. Oh, it just so happens kids learn best in the morning. morning. (laughs) And all of a sudden I'd hear him in the lounge room. I'm like, you are doing such a fine job. (laughs) I think I'm just going to stay here on my computer. Oh, that's so great. I don't know
1: where Guy put himself in lockdown (laughs) in one of the rooms (laughs) with a locked door, I think. (laughs) Yeah, he
0: was like nuts. He's (laughs) like, this is (laughs) too hard
1: for me. It was very hard and year three fractions really broke me
0: oh I even I just looked at the question and I wanted to cry
1: I had to call the teacher several times Uh, our
0: WhatsApp group I don't know if you had them (laughs) with parents and everyone going what
1: is going on here and I because I'm such a rule abider and a box ticker I would be so stressed if it came to like
0: five to three and all of the things weren't done. I just was like so stressed out. I would have been excited had one of the things been done. (laughs) Well, actually, it's interesting because, you know, in lockdown, you were both at home, obviously, with the kids. Um, But before lockdown and now that we have more freedom of movement, have you had a lot of solo parenting time? I imagine that Guy's work would take him away quite a bit.
1: Yes. A lot of solo time in, in the beginning, for sure. Guy was extremely busy. I think the great thing that Guy has sort of, I don't want to say seen the light on because I don't want to speak on behalf of him, but seeing the light on um, is I think in a career like music and to do what he's done, I think he has nine albums in his career, which is a lot. That's mm-hmm. a lot of albums he's done so I think he was just making hay while the sun was shining and and just giving it everything that he possibly had every waking minute an hour would go into working um which I understood it's like you gotta you gotta strike while the island's hot you've gotta you gotta make the music you gotta give the people what they want you've gotta you've gotta do it and he loved and he's got a passion for it so I was happy and I understood what that meant for me my life and role. I had a good grasp on, um, okay, that in order for us to have a, have this fantastic life, you know, guy's going to be the breadwinner and go to work and I'll do what I can work-wise. But my job essentially is going to be at home, making sure everyone's alive
0: and somewhat happy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I like the somewhat happy. I was like, don't say live and happy. We are. Somewhat <laughs> happy. I don't know. Sometimes I'm just, happy. I'm just proud of you for keeping them alive.
1: Alive was good. Yes, alive is very ends. good. Yeah. Um, and so I, I understood that, but understanding it and making peace with it are two different things. You're just like, what is happening? Uh, it, and we have no family that live in um, Sydney. We're both from Adelaide, so our parents were there. So n- none of that sort of family support. So it was either if you're going to get a babysitter, you've got to pay for it, you've got to organise it, you've got to arrange it. And, of course, our life is all over the place, so there's no two days that are ever the same. And so it's, like, very tricky to to coordinate people and then you've got to get to know them and then who do you trust and then how do you find that? <laughs> but Like, all of the things. So yes, the short answer is uh, quite a lot of solo time parenting. Um, but when guy is there and he has been there, I mean lockdown has been glorious for that <laughs> yes. um, and he has really adopted a little bit more of a chill vibe when it comes to work. He's still very hardworking and and you know very serious about his career and making that the best he can be, but he also has found a bit more of a balance. So we've we've got him back and it's good and it's helpful. And I think the boys getting older as well. I think when they're younger, they're very heavily reliant on their mum. We are their source of all things. Food, joy, play, <laughs> like whatever. We are it. We are mm. we are literally their source. And so I think as they're getting older, it's more like, you know, they want to go out on the boat and go fishing with their dad and play cricket in the backyard. And I'm like, hallelujah. Is that is that a half an hour I can just sit down while you're playing cricket? Yes.
0: Um, so speaking about that experience of him being away a lot and now being in your sixth year of tea with Jules, was that a clever way to kind of stoke the fire of your own passions whilst managing what you needed to manage at home? Yeah, it was. And
1: I think, miraculously, I, I over time especially, have figured out a way to do both. Sometimes not both well, but but do both. So I, I made a very conscious decision to prioritise my family and put the kids top of mind number 1 and then whatever i could squish in around that being the most important thing i i made it work um it's easier now they're in school because you have you know a good 6 hour let's be honest it's 5
0: let's be honest it's 3 <laughs> yeah i was going to say by the time you drop them off and pick them up <laughs> yeah i mean look i should i should i should say if there are people listening with babies and toddlers A hundred percent is much harder being at home and six hours would be, or five or four or three hours Mm -hmm. is bliss. Yeah. So I'm not taking away from that at all. Yes. I'm just saying it goes quickly. It goes quickly. and (laughs) It's not as long as you think.
1: Whoever said, oh, when I go to school, it's going to be so much easier is a liar. (laughs) It's not easier. It's
0: the same. It's the same amount of hardness. (laughs) Although what I do say, I do say... Once you have sleep again. Mm, oh, yeah. So the challenge is I think children are challenging whatever age they've all – comes with their joys and their hard things as well. But the thing that is easier is sleep. 100%. And even though my dog woke me up at 5.30 this morning mm. – it was still easier getting up to that dog once at 5.30 and just sitting next to him in the kitchen, patting him and cursing him at the same time yes. than it was to get up five times.
1: Oh, yeah. The the sleep interruption is mentally, physically just one of the hardest things. Yeah. You Mm. are destroyed from the inside out. (laughs) You just walk around. Like a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what day it is. You don't know what time it is. You don't know what you're wearing. See, now we feel better about our
0: children and their homework, don't we?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Homework and after-school sport is no joke. <laughs> oh no, it's very serious stuff. Because that time too goes very fast, and by the time it's like yeah, it's eight pm, you're like, "Why is everyone awake still? <laughs> going oh, to
0: sleep." Yes, they're wired, aren't they? After they've mm-hmm. had their their sport. Um. So, you know, if you look at interviews that you and Guy have done together, or you even listen to you speak now, you sound very grounded. You both sound very grounded as a couple. Um and especially considering how much your lives would have changed after Idol, and with the continuing success that you have both worked for. um, What is it that grounds you? Is it your faith in God? Is it, um, do you have a really different kind of deep breathing technique I don't know about? (laughs) Do you hold hands and om in the morning? I think that would help me. Um, What is it, do you think, um, because obviously in media and entertainment, There's lots of gossip, there's lots of scandal, and you and Guy are a nice couple. (laughs) But um, obviously, to have that kind of harmony, you have to have some kind of grounding that keeps you going. I mean, is your faith that, or are there other things that come into play?
1: I think it's a bit of everything. I think faith, absolutely. We grew up in church, um, and that's where we met each other. So that's really nice to have that common grounding in your values and morals. Our families brought us up very similarly, so we so we have that. Um, so that's a, definitely a great start. Another great start is our friendship. We we were friends first, and then we were romantic.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought you said then we were lovers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so that also has held us in very good stead because we like each other. I think that's really important mm. when when you live with someone all day long and you're doing life and you're trying to figure out everything along the way, if you've, if you've got that foundation of like and you respect each other and you value each other's opinions on things and you truly listen to each other and you know what each other wants and needs, that's a very good start because, wow, life happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, those waves just come crashing on you all the time and so... If you don't have a good foundation, that that's when you're going to get knocked out, I think. And listen, we're not perfect. We don't have it figured out all the time. Um, those waves definitely crash us off our little <laughs> foundations every now and again. But um, I think that for sure. And <clears throat> I think the most important thing is that we're not trying to be anything else except for who we are. So who you are sitting in front of now. I would hope that if you came to my house and you were in amongst my life and the kids and the homework and the feeding the dog, it would be the same person. So there's no act we're trying to keep up. There's no secrets that we're trying to veil. We are who we are, I I would hope, all of the time. And so with that becomes a sense of relief when you can just get about your life no matter where you are, who you're talking to, what room you're in, putting the kids to bed, having dinner with the queen, we've never done that. Um but there's time. Yeah, there's still time. God, I love that queen. Um and so I I would I would hope that people would recognize, oh, same person, not not trying to do anything. And it's 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 not exhausting. That that's not exhausting. It's like I can just be myself. Guy can just be who he is and that's it. Mm. It's it's very, it's very easy then. So I, I'm never thinking about what I'm
0: going to say because I'm just saying it. It seems to me, though, that you're both so likable because of those foundations that you spoke of. So having a loving family with good morals and good values that brought you up to be confident enough in yourself that it's okay to be yourself.
1: Yes. Huge. Mm. Really huge. And I know, I think what I'm starting to learn is that it's very rare. It's very rare. And it's, I feel so blessed, lucky, like grateful that I've had that. From that, it set me up to be able to make good decisions and I think those good decisions, little steps all along the way of my life, has led me to where I am now. I think I don't know. I just I think too. Growing up in church, you you just are automatically a deep thinker about mm-hmm. things. <laughs> you are just constantly thinking. There is there's something bigger than me, and the, it's not just about me. There is like a there's a bigger there's a bigger plan. There's mm-hmm. a there's a greater reason. There's a there's a purpose and a there's a reason why we're here, you know, all, yeah. all of those things. So you, you you are constantly, your mind is open to the possibilities mm. of so many things.
0: I love that. And I would end on that note because it's such a positive place mm. to end the interview, but I'm going to throw you a hard question before you leave. Oh, my
1: gosh. I thought they were all hard notes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Obviously, you've chosen the interviews um, from those six, seven years of you doing Tea with Jules to be the ones that have been the most insightful, the most moving, the ones that you've learnt the most from. But what's the one that stayed with you? Like do you have – I'm not saying a (laughs) favourite. You don't have to choose your favourite child. But was there ever an interview that once they'd walked off your little YouTube set and the lights were off that you just sat there and went, all right, I'm going to have to absorb that for a while. That was really – Mm. Profound. I mean, I I know that there were many that were profound, mm-hmm. but was there one in particular that you just knew straight away that's definitely going in the book? That's this is something that's really moved me.
1: That is a hard question. I told you it was going to be hard. <laughs> <laughs> and as you're saying that, I'm thinking of my friend Alex, and there's a very short piece in in the book about him. But um, my friend, who I grew up with in church, Alex, um, and he is an accountant he is a he's a regular dude just living his life and i asked him if he would come on and share his story with me because i just felt it was so amazing and and i personally it, it personally intersected with my life and how i viewed the world and the people that live in it so deeply that i was like it's a crime not to have him be here and he agreed and so his journey was um he he just was struggling with his sexuality his whole life felt you know that he was gay but growing up in church that was not really accepted and so his whole and I knew him the whole way through um this time but I didn't know that he was struggling with it and then when we were older we were like 26 or something at the time and he moved to London called us said sit down i need to tell you something sat down. He said, I'm gay. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Do, wait. And then, you know, you're just like all the thing, trying to figure it all out in the moment. Cause I had no idea that was happening for him. And all of a sudden, everything that I'd ever known and questioned and been so sure of, the rug just went out from underneath me. This person who I'd known my whole life was struggling with this, you know, even like, questioning if that was wrong or right and and how did he navigate his way through that how was he going to accept himself all of that stuff and i was like wow this that this is huge this is huge for him mm. how brave of him to to really go there and explore it and figure it out and he went to the nth degree went to the nth degree to to make sure with god and jesus that this is who he is and you know for sure and then shared obviously with all of his loved ones and I just thought that was the bravest most beautiful thing and I was so proud of him and I was I was proud that he was able to take us along with that journey and um yeah when he when he came and shared the story and he tells it so well it's very articulate it's very funny and is like it's just a legend and after, afterwards, I mean, he cried in the interview. I cried in the interview. And, <laughs> and he was the last one of the day. And we just sat, we were at my house and we just sat in the blue chairs. And I was just like, you know, lights went out exactly what he said. Camera stopped. And I was just, I was everything in that moment because I was like, this is why I do this. Because someone is going to watch this story and feel normal whatever normal is, they're going to feel like, oh my gosh, that is me. And that's okay. That, that's okay. This, this happened to me, or this is happening to my brother. This is happening to my friend. I can see it in a new way. I can see it in a different light. And so those are the ones that I'm like, oh, that feels like what this is meant for. That was a very long, answer oh no
0: it was a beautiful answer and just the right one now i'll let you end the interview jules thank you so much for your time today thank you that's jules sebastian her book is called tea and honesty and you'll find links to where you can get a copy in the notes of this episode feed play love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me siobhan hunt i'd love to hear from you so if you'd like to get in touch